Welcome to the Faith Women Podcast. We're a community of women at Faith Baptist Church in Youngsville, North Carolina, that desires to honor the Word of God, to support our church, and to encourage each other as we know, grow, serve, and go. Through these episodes, we'll be introducing you to our ministry team, sharing truth from God's Word, and challenging you to grow in your love for the Lord and those He's called you to serve. We're so glad you've joined us. Let's dive in. All right. Good evening. Can you all hear me? Okay. No? There we go. I hear me now. Okay. Uh, Awesome. So, uh, as Kirsten shared, uh, my name is Kristen Kellen. Um, I have the pleasure and the privilege of serving as a counseling professor over at the seminary, just a few miles over. Um, Pastor Stephen is one of my colleagues. uh, I also see several familiar faces, which just makes me feel more welcome. So, I'm glad to be here. I'm thankful to be here. Um, But I will tell you, full transparency, we're just going to dive in quick here together. When I was emailed about sharing with you, uh, I was asked to speak on how we find rest. Uh, And if I'm honest, I have to tell you that I chuckled a little bit when I read that email. Uh, Because as Kirsten, do I need to stay over here? Uh, As Kirsten shared, uh, I have a lot going on (laughs) in life. Uh, I teach, I counsel, I have three littles, um, all sorts of things involved with the church. Um, And so I want to tell you from the very beginning that um, as I prepared for this evening, um, much of this, um, I'm speaking to myself just as I'm speaking with you. Okay, so I want to hear, I want you to hear my heart as I start out, uh, that this is not just for you as if I have accomplished this, because I most certainly have not. (laughs) So we're going to walk through this together. Uh, But with all of those things uh, that I'm involved in, Uh, my small group leaders affectionately call them my spinning plates. Uh, So when I come to small group every Sunday evening, uh, my small group leader will say, hey, Kristen, how are your spinning plates? Uh, And I will take a big, deep breath and go through my list of all of the things that I strive towards, the things that I have to work towards uh, in a given week. So I want to start out together with a little exercise to get you involved Um, think about, I want you to take about 30 seconds, at the top of your notes page, there's a space for you where it says, what are all of your spinning plates? What are all of the things that throughout a week that you are responsible for, that you have to work towards, that take up your time, mental energy, emotional energy? Take about 30 seconds and write down as many of those that you can think of that come to mind. I'll give you a few seconds. All right. Most of you are still writing, and you could probably write for another two or three minutes, right? Just by show of hands, how many of you can easily identify at least five things to put on that list? Most of your hands went up, right? If I gave you a minute or two, you could probably put more down. The reality is, friends, is that we live in a world in which we have to do, 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 do. Now, for all of us, that looks different, right? For me, that's teaching and counseling and mama-ing, right? Uh, For others of you, it may look very different, but we all have things that we do all the time, right? It is hard for us to to find rest and to just be still, right? It's really difficult. afternoon, I'll share with you this afternoon, uh, all three of my kiddos were down for a nap. Praise Jesus, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful day. All three were down for a nap, and I found myself 
still itching, right? You know that itch where you look around the house and there were dishes in the sink, so I went and did the dishes. The trash needed to go out, so I took the trash out, right? And before I knew it, I was an hour into my kids' nap time, and it's Sunday afternoon, right? It's the day of rest. And yet we, we live in this world, and we have personalities, some of us, that tell us to go, 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 go. And in many ways, that's where we find our purpose, right? If we can't look back and see, I've accomplished this, maybe we start to wonder, did I do enough? Am I good enough, right? We look at what we do and what we produce as, as markers of who we are. But this doesn't get us very far, right? That leads us to places where I don't think God designed us to go. For me, it leads to exhaustion, right? It leads me to the place where, man, I'm just tired sometimes. Uh, sometimes, especially if we're active on social media, it can lead to comparison, right? Because I might see a picture on social media of a really pretty kitchen and my mind goes oh that is not my kitchen (laughs) right comparison uh, maybe some self-doubt maybe some jealousy right when we fail to rest when we give in to what the world tells us we need to be doing it leads us that we were never intended to go okay Um, God gives us a different answer okay tonight I want to walk through Psalm 62 I would invite you to open your Bibles with me, Uh, but on your notes page, I also have the passage written out. And in particular on your notes page, I've broken it down into the sections that we're going to walk through and, and left you a space for notes on the side. I would encourage you, if something stands out in your mind, write it down. If a particular word stands out, circle it or underline it. Be active as we're having this conversation. Uh, But as I walk through this passage, in some ways I want to challenge our ideas of rest. Okay, when I say rest, quite often what comes to mind, and what comes to my mind, is simply ceasing activity. Right? Is sitting on the couch, turning on an HGTV show, kicking my shoes up, and my kids are napping. Right? That's our idea of rest. But I don't think that's completely what God teaches us. So I want to make sure that as we walk through Psalm 62, we pull out um, some, some truths about what I call holistic rest. Rest not just for my body and my behaviors, but rest for my soul, rest for my heart, rest for my mind, right? Holistic rest. I believe, friends, I believe that this is what God meant when he talked about Sabbath. Right? The Pharisees look behavioral rest, right? ceasing from doing. But I think when God talked about Sabbath, he also meant an internal rest, internal and external. And I'll argue, just to show my cards a little bit, I will argue that the external, the behavior and the actions rest come only once we figure out the inside rest. Okay, So that's where we're going. There's our, our roadmap. So the context of this chapter, uh, we'll see here in a minute, but um, this is traditionally uh, ascribed to David. Uh, So it's a Psalm of David. And many commentators say that the context of this was written when David was fleeing from his son Absalom. Um, So David was the king of Israel, right? Uh, And even though God had appointed him as king over Israel, not everybody was happy about that all the time, right? Including his son. 
so commentators, most commentators would say that this is the context of this psalm, that David has fled from Absalom, uh, and he is in chaos. He is in turmoil. Uh, but it's interesting. I'm going to read these first. Um, I'll, I'll read the whole passage, and we'll, we'll break down uh, verse by verse just to have the full, the full context. Read with me the whole thing. We'll come back. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? The only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. All right, so there's the entire passage together. Let's go back. Let's do verse by verse and break this down. Verses 1 and 2, our first section. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Here we have David's description of how he operates. Uh, now, certainly David had moments, right, uh, where he was fearful or he was worried. Uh, but this seems to be David's norm, right, that he is describing um, what he does, Right? For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Um, this is, in many ways, I think, a statement of confidence and trust in God. From the very first verse of this psalm, he is telling his hearers, For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Uh, now remember, again, David is the king of Israel. Now, none of us have ever been king or queen, right? Uh, but we can probably imagine the weight of responsibility and the demands that David has on him. He is running a nation, and not just any nation, God's nation, that God has called uh, out of all the nations. There are lots of responsibilities there, right? And yet, this man is saying, for God alone, God alone, not all of these riches, not all of this wealth, not all of this expanse of his kingdom, right? For God alone, my soul, my inner being, waits in silence, right? In silence. Sorry. <laughs> that was ironic, right? Uh, in silence. We see that David, in, in his, the depth of his soul, is not in conflict, right? There's no inside strivings in him if he can sit before the Lord in silence. He writes something similar in Psalm 37, 7. He says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. You don't 
to show your hands, but how many of us do this well? Not me, right? Um, if I'm honest, many, many times I think, okay, I've got to come before the Lord. I need to read and I need to pray and I need to meditate. And I got like 15 minutes, right? That's not being still before the Lord. That's not resting in the Lord. But David here is saying, he's describing, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. Why? Because from him comes my salvation. Here, David is showing his priorities. Again, he doesn't need wealth and riches. What does he need? Salvation, right? And he knows who that comes from. He has everything he needs at his disposal. And yet his norm, what he's describing for us, is waiting in silence because God is his salvation. Now, interestingly, this word salvation here has the connotation of deliverance. Remember the context I talked about a few minutes ago that Absalom is likely coming after David and chasing him, right? Wanting ultimately to put him to death so he can be king. And he's saying, God, you're my deliverance, right? You are the one who will deliver me, even from my son who is chasing me to kill me. <laughs> can we do that, friends? Can we wait in silence before the Lord if that were what we were going through? Um, we see, though, I think it's, it's so important, the second word here in this first verse, for God. God. David is not counting on necessarily the actual deliverance. He's counting on the God of his deliverance, right? That is where his salvation comes, is in God. Um, and we see this. I think it's it's a, a connection that is made throughout the rest of Scripture, um, that salvation is in a person, right? Salvation is not in a circumstance. Salvation is in a person. Uh, and I would like to argue that then rest is not in a circumstance. It's in a person. Okay, so that's, that's kind of where we're going here. Um, I think this also, at least it draws my mind back to uh, the Israelites wandering in the desert. Remember, the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years. God had called them out of Egypt, and he said to them, I will give you this land over here. You're going to have to wait a minute, right? 40 years. But in Exodus 33, we have this uh, interesting scene where God calls Moses to lead the people away from Mount Sinai and lead them towards the promised land. And Moses goes back and forth and he says, God, we're not going if you're not coming with us. And God says to them, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Do you see that? That connection between God's presence going with his people and rest. It's not about them doing something. It's about who's with them. Okay, we're going to keep coming back to that. I also love in verse 2 here, he says, He only is my rock and my salvation, which we, we connected to deliverance, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. When you think of rock and fortress, you probably think of like a castle, right? Um, I think of something like Jericho. The, the Israelites... Um, I, made that connection back to Exodus 33. The Israelites, very soon after, were going to come up to try to take Jericho. Jericho was a fortress. But Jericho was actually kind of small. 
It really wasn't that big, but it was so built up. It was a rock. It was a fortress that the Israelites were afraid that they weren't going to be able to take it, even though God had promised them. But what happened? God was with them. God went before them. They walked around the wall for a week, and it came tumbling down, right? Because God's presence went with them. They could rest knowing that would would accomplish what he was going to accomplish, right? That's where rest is found. Um, and he ends verse 2. He says, I shall not be greatly shaken. I think it would be foolish of us to think um, that David would never encounter any sort of turmoil, right? He's, he's right in the middle of it. So surely David is not saying everything's going to be easy. But what he's saying is, I shall not be greatly shaken. I will not be moved, right? It doesn't matter the affliction that's coming because my, my fortress, my rock, my salvation, my rest is in the person of God and his presence with me, right? That's what David is teaching us here. Let's go to verses 3 and 4. Uh, there he says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Uh, so here we see again a little bit more of David's context. Um, this is part of why the commentators point to Absalom coming to get him because of these verses. Uh, but David is being attacked, and the people around him, including his son, uh, they're trying to shake him. They're trying to remove him from his position as God's chosen king, right? God has chosen David as special, as king to lead his people. God fulfilled that, and now there are people coming against David and ultimately coming against God to shake him and move him. And these aren't great people, right? It's talking about they're trying to knock him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood, right? They're, they're liars. Um, outwardly, they bless, and inwardly, they curse. They're hypocrites, right? They're coming against David. Um, these people are cruel. Uh, now, let's, let's be honest. Most of us aren't in the same position, right? No one's really attacking us, per se. No one's uh, trying to make us falter, uh, but all of us, in some form or fashion, face adversity by that. For some of us, that is very direct. For some of us, it's other people saying maybe we're foolish or we're wrong about something or we shouldn't be a Christian or we should believe this or do that, right? Maybe some of us have that. Uh, but for some of us, maybe it's just that things are hard. <laughs> maybe some of us have had health issues or family conflicts, or other sorts of adversities simply because of sin, because things are broken. Um, people are broken, and people are sinful. But then, all of us, if we are believers, we experience spiritual opposition, spiritual warfare. Um, all of us experience that. The enemy is seeking to kill and steal and destroy, right? So even though we're not in the position David, in this instance, um, we're, we're facing adversity because of sin, right? Uh, and we see in these verses, recall this imagery, put the image in your mind, uh, like a leaning wall or a tottering fence, right? When we think about a leaning wall or a tottering fence, 
we probably think about that something is weak or easy to push over, right? It needs to be fixed because it's, it's not as it should. Um, and we get this, this vision of weakness or susceptibility, right? Um, that's what our enemy wants to see. Our enemy wants to see us weak and questioning, questioning God, right? Wasn't that his um, method in the garden? He took Adam and Eve and he took God's truth and he twisted it just enough that they questioned his goodness. That's what our enemy wants, that weakness and susceptibility. Um, We strive against that constantly. Uh, We strive to fight those things. Um, And in those times when we feel like the leaning wall that's getting battered and pushed over, right, that's when we need to rest and not just physically rest but spiritually, emotionally, mentally rest as well. I think it's interesting, too, that he draws out the very end of verse 4. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Um, Perhaps we experience some of that, too. Maybe there are people that we know, friends, family members, that outwardly uh, will say, bless your heart, right? Uh, But inwardly they're grumbling and moaning and complaining. That's, That's adversity. We face that. Um, sometimes. But also, to make a a somewhat parallel, um, sometimes we're also striving for things that outwardly look good, the behavior outside. uh, We're striving towards those things. And inwardly, we really don't want to, right? Inwardly, we're grumbling or complaining. Um, That's not rest, right? Uh, We need to move away from that. All right, let's keep going. Verse five, six, and seven. Uh, This should sound familiar. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Now on your papers, you'll see we have verse Verses 5, 6, and 7, right under verses 1 and 2. Take a second, read verses 1 and 2 again, and then bring your mind back down, your eyes back down to verses 5, 6, and 7. They're really similar, right? David is saying a lot of the same things, but here's a really important difference. In the first two verses, he's describing outwardly. In verse 5, he's imploring himself. Right? He turns inward. He says, for God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence. Right? He's, he's reminding himself of these truths. Okay? We have to do that. Right? There are times where we feel battered and hit around. Right? And we have to respond with truth. That's what David's doing here. He's speaking truth to himself. And he's imploring himself, remember... Remember where your hope comes from. My hope is from God, from God alone, right? He's speaking to the inmost part of himself, reminding himself, my hope is from God. And then reiterating, he only, not anything else, not anyone else, he only is my rock and my salvation, my deliverance, my fortress, right? There's that imagery of safety and security again, like we talked about. I shall not be shaken. I shall not be moved. Right? That's what we're, what we're seeing here. 
Um, he's reiterating to himself, remember those truths, remember what, who God is. Um, and he makes this connection, I think, between a couple of key things. Uh, first is rest, right? He doesn't say explicitly, rest in God alone, O oh my soul. But that's the natural outpouring of this, right? When we remember, we can wait in silence before the Lord because God is my hope, my rock, my fortress, my salvation. I rest, right? My, my striving cease because I remember who God is and that he is the source of our salvation. He's the source of our deliverance from all of these strivings. So he calls himself in many ways to rest in response to trusting God in peace, right? He also talks about hope, right? If we're honest, many times we struggle with hope. And I think sometimes that's why we struggle to rest, right? Uh, because we feel hopeless, and in response to that feeling of hopelessness, if I just do, 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 I can fix that, right? But it's not... That's not what we should be doing. That shouldn't be our response. Our hope is from him, is from a person, not a circumstance. Our rest is from a person, not a circumstance. Okay. He also, uh, that hope, let me make another note here. My hope is from him. It's not from anything that I do. It's not from my accomplishments. It's not from my productivity. It's not from uh, my own goals. It's not because of my resume, right? My hope is in the person of God himself. Uh, and we'll get here in a few minutes. Our hope is in Christ, right? The person of Jesus Christ. Um, he knows his salvation comes from the Lord. His deliverance, his deliverance from sin comes from the Lord. Um, and he says in verse 7, on God rests my salvation and my glory. That word glory there isn't the usual word that we talk about glory of the Lord. Um, here, that word is connected to his reputation, his honor, right? And so what David is saying here is ultimately it doesn't matter if I'm king of Israel. It doesn't matter if people think highly of me, right? My glory comes from the Lord who called me and he can rest in that, right? Uh, just a, a note here. Um, when you think about your own mutation, your own glory, uh, practically speaking, is it placed in God? Is it placed in Christ? Or is it placed in what you do and who you are? Right? Um, just, just a point of uh, reflection for you there. All right, verse 8. Uh, there he says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Uh, I love this verse because I love this transition that David makes. Right? He's, he's singing this psalm, right? Psalms are songs. He's singing this song and describing what's happening. Then he turns in and says, oh my soul, remember these things. And by the way, friends, y'all remember this too, right? He turns outward, right? Uh, because of what he knows and he believes to be true, he then can tell others to do the same thing, right? And isn't that what Kirsten talked about earlier, right? That we learn these things, uh, we learn God's word so that we can live them out and we can encourage others with them. David's doing what we need to be doing, right? Um, I think that's cool. So, um, so he is declaring in this verse God's trustworthiness, 
right? He's saying, trust in him, put your trust, put your faith in him at all times, people. Um, and it doesn't matter uh, what's happening. Um, it doesn't matter the affliction. It doesn't matter the chaos. It doesn't matter the responsibilities. None of that matters. Trust him at all times, people. Trust him at all times. Um, and I love this phrase, pour out your heart before him. Right? Uh, my mind immediately when I read that, it goes to Hebrews 4, right? Hebrews 4, where it talks about uh, that we can come before the throne of grace with confidence to find grace and mercy in time of need. Did you know that God knows you? He knows your heart. He knows the depths of who you are even better than you know them. And friends, he invites you to come before his throne with confidence, even knowing all those things. That's rest, right? To be able to come before God and pour out our hearts before him, no matter what it is, pour out our hearts before him. And he says, come near, daughter. Here's grace. Here's mercy. You are in need. Here it is. What a beautiful thing that that is. What, what rest uh, we can have there. Um, our hearts, he talks about pour out your hearts. Our hearts in scripture really are the, the core of who we are. Uh, the Proverbs, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Our hearts define who we are. And here David is telling us, go before God and pour it out. Right? Go before him, pour it out, and rest there. We can do that. Um, and we can do that knowing that God invites us to do that. Uh, one commentator that I read said something really great about this. He said, um, well, comparing this pour out your heart with the waiting in silence, that, that seems contradictory, right? Be silent, but pour out your hearts. Uh, but one commentator says this, I love it. Together, there could hardly be two better expressions of the spontaneous unburdening of oneself, which is one side of the matter, and the disciplined expectancy, which is the other. The spontaneous unburdening of oneself, pouring out your heart, and then the disciplined expectancy, the waiting in silence. And David encourages us to do both of them. We pour out our hearts and then we wait in silence, knowing that God is going to deliver. He's going to give us rest in those things. All right, let's keep going. Verse 9, 9 through 11. He says, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in expression, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. See there in verse 9 at the beginning, those of high estate are a breath. Those of low estate are a delusion. Those are meant to be parallels. Right? They're meant to communicate the same thing. What he's saying there is that no matter our circumstances, whether we are rich or poor, of high regard or low regard, right, our lives are all moving towards the end. Right? They're but a breath. It gives us a little bit of perspective, right? Um, that we are moving towards the end of our lives. And when we think about our strivings, our restlessness in the midst of that, that also changes our perspective, right? It lessens how much we need to be working towards these things if at the end of life, it's but a breath. It's fleeting, 
right? Now, certainly our lives matter, uh, but they matter only in perspective of God's eternity, right? Not just our current um, circumstances. Interestingly, too, this, uh, the word here of breath uh, and the parallel of delusion is the same word that the writer of Ecclesiastes uses uh, in the very beginning of Ecclesiastes. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. I just want to read it for us. Ecclesiastes 1, 2 through 8. He says, vanity of vanities. Same word. Breath of breaths. It's, it's fleeting. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. I think there's a connection here. He's talking about life is a breath, right? It's fleeting. And the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, all of those things make us weary, right? They wear us out. Uh, we are constantly striving and striving and striving, and yet we are but breaths. Uh, but in verse 10 here, David is encouraging us to focus our hopes rightly, uh, in part by telling us where not to put our hopes. He's told us where to put them. Now he's telling us where not to put them. Um, these, these things that he lists out, no trust in extortion, no vain hopes in robbery. Um, if riches increase, set not your heart on them. Now, now, probably as you read that, you think, I mean, I don't extort people. I don't rob people. How does this apply to me? Uh, but I think what he's getting at here on a broader level uh, is that our hope and our rest is not on what we gain, right? The, the immoral gain through extortion or robbery. But it, it's not on what we gain it's not on taking something or having something. It's not, certainly not by using other people. Um, it's not by doing, good or bad. It's not in doing, uh, but it's in God. It's in the person of God. Uh, verses 11 and 12, we'll, we'll wrap up around here. Uh, God, once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. He's emphasizing here that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. Um, so David is wanting his hearers to land at these two very important concepts. This is why he, he kind of echoes this initial phrase, once God has spoken, twice I've heard this. Two things, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. Power and love. Um, I think that the key to rest and the, kind of the, the linchpin of this important thing here is in our recognition of God's power, his sovereignty, and his love for us. Okay? I think we fail to rest because we really truly don't believe that God has power and that he loves us. I think that's at the core of it. Um, I think we strive and strive um, and we do and do because we fail to believe in our hearts. We fail to believe that God has the power um, and that he loves us. But in contrast, David can rest in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of chaos, uh, because he knows and he trusts 
that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast, never-ending, unceasing love. Um, now, this last phrase in verse 12, um, I'll be honest, I read this, I got to the end of this passage and I thought, you will render a man according to his work. That feels odd. Does it feel odd to anybody else? It just feels like it's stuck on. But as I was thinking about it, I think it's actually one of the most important pieces of this psalm. Uh, because it says, you will render to a man according to his work. What do we deserve according to our works? Death. Condemnation. Which is, ultimately, eternal unrest. It's a lack of peace because we're not with God. We know that we cannot work to, towards our own salvation. We are unable to do that. Uh, and so this, you will render to a man according to his work, I think is pointing towards the gospel, right? Because there is one man, Jesus Christ, who was rendered according to his work on my behalf. And that's where rest is found, right? So when David talks about you alone, my soul waits in silence, from him comes my salvation, he's bookending it, pointing towards the gospel, Right? He's pointing towards Jesus Christ will be rendered according to his work, and I can stand beside him. That is where rest is found, right? Because our works condemn us. Um, now, at the very beginning, um, we, we were talking before everyone got here. Um, I hope it's okay to share this. Kirsten um, asked, um, that, asked Aaron to share the gospel. If it's okay, I'm going to do that now because it fits in really well. <laughs> um, the, the gospel tells us that because of sin, because of what we've done wrong against God, we deserve death, right? Uh, we live in a world that is full of sin, and we sin, okay? And because of that, because God is holy, we are separated from him for all of eternity. Um, that was called the fall that I talked about earlier with sin in the Garden of Eden. But... All of the Old Testament, what it's pointing towards is Jesus. When God himself came down to be like us, to die a sinner's death, the death that we deserve, even though he didn't, right? So that now, through Christ, because of Christ, we can stand before God and we can go before the throne of grace with confidence, right? He was paid according to his work so that I don't have to so that I don't have to stand in judgment and condemnation. Jesus has already borne that for me. Um, and I think that the end of this, um, this passage is pointing us towards that truth. And I believe, friends, sisters, I believe that we can only find rest when we are right with God. When we find rest at, at the foot of God's throne as his daughters, only then can we have rest outwardly, right? Only then can my strivings mean anything, right? Um, when I have the right uh, perspective, we can rest because of belief and trust that Jesus died in my place, right? And that that is finished. It is done. Nothing that I could do could make him love me any more than he already does. And nothing that I could do could make him love me less, less than he already does. That's the gospel, right? If you don't know that, <laughs> uh, find someone with a green 
um, tag, they'll talk to you about it, I promise, okay? Um, but I believe that's where it's pointing to. Uh, so what does all this mean? Let me bring this together. If you want to flip your notes pages over, there's a couple of principles, some lessons, right? I want to get to this in just a second. Um, but when I was thinking about um, what rest looks like, knowing, I think there's a couple of pictures in scripture. I just want to give us some imagery there. Um, now, many of you probably are mamas, right? Um, there is this really cool thing, and scripture gives us a picture of this as well, um, that when my littles are in a frenzy, right, especially as babies, um, and I pull them up into my lap, and I hold them close, right? Their striving cease, right? Unless brothers, like, not going to throw them some. But um, when our littles crawl into our laps, there they find safety because they believe in our power and they believe that we love them, right? That's a picture of God's love for us, his power and his love for us. We can rest just like a baby does when a mama holds it, right? Another picture that I see um, is, I think, the thief on the cross. This may be an odd uh, image for you, but do you remember um, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and one of the thieves turns to Jesus um, and he acknowledges who Jesus was, right? And what was Jesus' response? Can anyone tell me? Here, today you'll be with me in paradise. Can you imagine, just put yourself in, in that spot for a minute, the thief hanging on the cross, condemned to death, in pain, turning to the Messiah, and the Messiah looking back at you and saying, you're going to be at peace real soon. I can bet you, I'm reading into it, but I can bet you that everything changed for him in that moment. That he could rest despite his affliction, despite what was happening. The other picture that comes to mind, just to give us some imagery, uh, do you remember the account of Jesus sleeping in the boat during the storm? <laughs> right? He's taking a nap, and the wind is tossing to and fro, and the disciples are like, what's happening? Jesus, wake up. Are you not worried? And Jesus basically sits up and says, peace, be still. Shh. And what happens? Calm, right? Jesus could rest because he had the power to calm that storm. He still has the power to calm those storms, right? Those, the, the winds and the waves, he can still calm them, right? That is, those are the pictures of rest that come to mind when I, when I think about this. Uh, so some pictures. So how do we get there? What are, what are our takeaways? What are our lessons? Uh, I think we pursue and prioritize full rest. Right? So you have rest there, but full, holistic, inward, outward rest. Um, first, out of obedience. Uh, as a mirror of God's rest and out of faith. Okay? So here I'm primarily talking about the external rest that is a flowing out of the internal rest. Uh, belief, But we do this out of obedience because we trust in God's power, his sovereignty, and his love for us. Um, a couple of verses that come to mind when I think about this. Hebrews 4, um, 9 and 10, the writer of Hebrews says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest, there's that holistic rest, for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his 
Right? We see the picture back at Genesis 1, right? That God creates all things and then God rested. Um, but God rested because everything was as it should be. Right? Everything was right. It made everything uh, and he rested. And he gives us that picture for us to rest from those strivings. Okay? The second lesson, we actively align our thoughts and our beliefs toward the true power of God and his love for us. I'm going to make this connection. We actively align our thoughts and our beliefs inside towards the true power of God and his love for us. One of the ways that we can do this, um, I'm reminded that in the Old Testament especially, one, one theme that we see over and over and over is remember. Remember, 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 remember God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember these things. Remember God's power as demonstrated through his word and his love for you as he demonstrated on the cross. Right? In everything that we have seen in God's word, in his world, we see the power of God and we see his love for us fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. Remember those things. Align your, your thoughts and your beliefs towards that. Number three, I think we live in light of the promises of the gospel. That our ultimate rest and our refuge is found in the person of Jesus. Um, true rest is not freedom from effort, from the doing. I think it's properly prioritized efforts. And what I mean by that uh, is that we should be striving towards God and doing the things that he have us to do. And in doing that, we find real, true rest. Okay? Um, I'm, I'm reminded of when Matthew, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, um, maybe these are familiar verses to you. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus gives rest. Then he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, for you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice there that he doesn't say, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, um, because you will be free from responsibilities free from doing things. That's not what he says. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When you strive towards the things that God has set out for us, that Jesus sets out for you, it's restful. It's easy. It's light, right? Uh, that's where rest is found. It's not in no longer doing. It's not laziness. It's in doing things that are prioritized properly uh, and knowing what we need to do while we're directing our thoughts towards the Lord's power and his love for us. All right? You'll notice at the bottom of the back of your pages, after those three things, there's some discussion questions for us. I think we're going to take a short break. But then at your tables, um, you can discuss those questions among you. Um, I would encourage you, especially because you're in such small groups, uh, be transparent with your sisters. Be open. Uh, and share about those things. I already shared from the beginning that um, I struggle with this, and so this was directed at me too. Um, so be transparent, be open with one another so that you can encourage one another towards this after this evening. All right? Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll, we'll close it out. Father God, I thank you so much 
that no matter what we are doing, no matter where we are, no matter our circumstances, God, you are present with us um, if we have chosen to follow you. Lord, I thank you that we can find rest in the midst of chaos, in the midst of restlessness, because you never leave us, you never forsake us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that we can trust in your power and we can rest knowing that you love us, Lord, that you sent your son to die for us so that we would be restored to you and that we would be made new. God, I thank you. Lord, I pray that if there are any uh, ladies here tonight that have not chosen to follow you, Lord, that you would just, Lord, I pray that you would stir up in them a desire for true rest in you, God. I pray that you would give them boldness to speak to someone uh, and wisdom there in that conversation. Father, I thank you for these ladies. I thank you for the time to be here tonight. God, I thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith Women Podcast. We hope you were both encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss an episode. If you're in our area, we'd love to have you join us at Faith Baptist Church in Youngsville on a Sunday or at any of our special events. You can learn more about our ministry online at faithnc.org slash women. See you next month.